Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. What are you doing every day to demonstrate those things you talk about? And again, because people will pick up on that and they will see that you're trying to be good and make good in the world. And uh, it's just, yeah, and these are the, it's just these small human things you do for your community that compound over time. It's counterintuitive it feels because you think, oh, we've got to do loads of ads. We've got to reach so many people. But actually, it's customers one by one, increasing that emotional engagement that you have with them. This is Dan Nash, who is the founder of 68 Agency, an agency that helps food brands turn their customers into a cult of super friends. Today, we dive into how to be a cult brand and why you should care. We also talk about how you can tell and scale your story, so it has a huge impact on now and in the future for your brand and your sales. We talk about the importance of having clarity on the purpose, vision, and mission of a business if you want to stand out in an ever-crowded market. Dan also shares the roadmap of how to get started with building a cult brand, his own learnings from the last two years helping cult brands, and what he believes brands need to do if they want to be successful in the new era of hospitality. Before you tune in, please sign up for a weekly newsletter, Maverick Talk, which is packed with more Maverick insights, strategies, and tools. Find the link in the show notes or visit hospitalitymavericks.com. Time now to learn more about how to build a cult brand. This conversation will make you question your current branding activities and find out how you really can stand out when it both comes to the employee and customer perception. Grab your notebook and enjoy. Today we will uh, have a journey into to how you build a cult brand, or as I call it, raving fans. And that goes both, I guess, for customers, but also for the employees. And uh, for that, I have Dan with me here on the show, and we, we talked a couple of times about what we should be talking about today. And we both agree there's a huge, huge opportunity to talk about actually how do you actually tell your story better as a hospitality slash restaurant business. So welcome to the show, Dan. I'm really excited about today's conversation. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. And Dan, for, for people that haven't heard about you and your journey and, and uh, what your business is up to, could you just talk a bit about why we're sitting here, you know, talking about storytelling, branding, cult brands, and so on, and, and why you are, you are the man? Sure. So, yeah, my favorite subject that I, that I, that I love to talk about a lot. And really, I, the purpose of my business is I love to help obsessive food brands. And by obsessive, I mean brands are obsessed about their product and the experience they create for their customers and who are trying to make more impact with their product um beyond just making money 
and how they can turn their customers into into a cult following, turn their customers into a, a, a tribe of loyal superfans. How has your journey been to do that? Because you have not always spend your time in, in hospitality and food, but you, you come from from the outside. So you come and look at, a, at the hospitality world probably in a very different way. Sure. And actually, sometimes it's it's good to be, one thing I've learned is it's quite good to be naive. Like I came in very naive uh, with no preconceptions with the industry. So I started five years ago. Um, I was, to be honest, trying and failing to be a digital nomad in Thailand, which is a whole story in itself. Um, but that's also what's inspired me to work with food. Um, I, food's in my blood. My grandma had a restaurant. I love, I'm obsessed with Asian food because we ate a lot of Chinese food when I was a kid. And I remember going to university and being broke. So I learned to sort of recreate all the food that I missed. Um, and yeah, actually Anthony Bourdain, Kitchen Confidential was the book I read at a very early age, which just blew my mind about restaurants. It was like, oh, okay, this is why they're so interesting. Um, and, uh, so every, yeah, so ever since then, I've really sort of been obsessed just about restaurants and the experience and everything that leads up to that first bite that you have and, and why it's so important. And just, so there I was in Thailand, let's say a little bit lost and confused because I'd left my corporate life behind and just there comes a point in your life when you think I'm not getting any younger, it's time to go in for what I love. Let's see if I can build a career out of food. And what really inspired me to do this was as someone that just loves communication i just when i started looking into it i looked into all these amazing restaurants with these great stories but that but then i looked on their instagrams and i was like but this this is boring like you're, you've got this great story why are you just talking about i was why are you just talking about your product in this very dry way um and because i was naive i thought well maybe i can do better than that so i ended up harassing i knew david the founder of chicken sours a little bit and ended up harassing him for a job. And eventually, again, the, the power of uh, harassing people, I, he, after a few months, had actually, we're about, we've just got some investment to launch this new chain as a QSR brand from Chicken Sours, which is called Chicken, which is now called Chicken, Sop, Chicken Shop. Um, would you like to get involved for the launch? So of course I said yes. And um, that's, that's really where my journey started. And I mean, I'm sure we can talk about this a bit more, but that, first campaign i despite being one of the most stressful things i've ever worked on but i ended up smashing that launch with a very unconventional campaign i exactly because i was such an outsider and that's really informed how i do things ever since so i've embraced my outsider status yeah and that's really interesting because also you mentioned i want to come back to something you mentioned anthony bourdain and and what is that thing that that you when you saw his program and happening in these kitchen because you're not the only one that said that to me but it's like there's something about kitchens and restaurants and and you know the, that feeling that uh, you know that what ticks people what was it for you that uh did it well i think it's the same thing for me as well i think for other people it's like we all just have this primal connection to food we pe people love food stories you know like seven out of ten people watch cooking shows in the uk so this is what this is what so many restaurants sort of ignore because people want to know more about this. And I know I'm not the only one that wants to know more. And it's actually, it's like anything, the more you know about something, the more that you love, the more that passion increases. So when you, his whole thing was that just from the minute you walk into the door, every single aspect is going to affect that first bite of food. 
And I mean, I'm a naturally curious person as well. So it was just when you get to sort of peek under the hood, it just was like, oh, so it's it's so much more. It's not just that plate of food and then everything that goes ahead that again, because I love it, that 10x my emotional attachment uh, because it wasn't. It was all the stuff that led up to that and not just in the restaurant, but their stories, the, the stories of the chefs, their backgrounds, how they how they came to that. And the other thing with Anthony Bourdain was that um, he just communicated it in a very thrilling, exciting way. And I, I, yes, a little bit of this is that was an earlier time when maybe if you weren't a white male, <laughs> that wasn't such a great time to be in a kitchen and or even just for mental health. You know, that's probably where it's still acceptable to burn people, brand people <laughs> with a hot knife or throw a saucepan at their head. Um, so it's easy to make it sound very rock and roll, but that was at a huge there was also at a price for a lot of people working in hospitality but it was still very exciting and and it's not easy because to communicate is a hard skill so it was just how you take something maybe quite intangible and make it suddenly very exciting and educational at the same time yeah and i think and, I, and uh, when you get it you find out it's such a complex business that is moving on so thin legs sometimes to just about surviving or just about to having that breakthrough we also mentioned that your you know because you were an outsider your approach was different it was almost like counterintuitive to what you have seen on your first project you work with where like you launched uh, a new brand or an offshoot of a, a chicken sours where actually you did something that normally is this is not the norm this is not how we will normally do a restaurant launch or communicate about a restaurant launch can you talk a bit about the milestones and your learnings from that and what really worked well there sure so i mean i only had three months to do this and i should add so never worked the restaurants never never did i've never done social media for business so i was knew that i could communicate but it was a, a skill that i'd kept buried when I used to work in marketing jobs before then. Um, and so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a tough time, but then it was, it was fine. It was as soon as I started communicating, it just all started flowing out of me. But what the, 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 the thinking there was, there was some thinking behind what I was doing was, so we were going to launch in Baker street, which is a very challenging location. And yes, it was from an existing brand, but it was still for all intents and purposes, a new brand. And we had this offer that the first 50 people, would get uh, free, the first 50 people in line when we opened would get free fried chicken for a, for a year. So it's quite a sexy offer. I mean, a lot of people have done it since then, but at the time that was quite new. So, I mean, the first thing is having, because you want to pattern interrupt and grab attention as much as possible for a launch. So that certainly worked, but it was still in a challenging location with a relatively unknown brand. And I thought, if I just do what everyone else does, and what everyone else does, I always call it the 10% of your story, which is where you just talk about your product, your team, and your interiors in a very dry way with very little personality. No one's going to connect with that because when I said when I was researching, I saw that doesn't, no one, no one seems to care. That doesn't get an engagement. So I thought, how am I going to get a line of people outside here? What works? And I just thought, well, people come to social media because they want to listen to other humans. That's what they interact with. They don't interact with brands, you know, they, or if it is a brand, it's, what's behind that brand? Who are the humans behind that brand? So then I just went and just thought, right, I've just got to tell a very honest and human story. And I've pretty much got to run the page like it's my own personal account because people are going to connect with that, which was 
quite a bold move and very anxiety inducing and that still scares a lot of people in hospital and I always actually say to people in hospitality generally like you'd be better off running your personal page your, your brand page like your personal page and you'd get way more results from that um so I just talked to, I was just very honest and I just said you know we, we're very scared about launching in Baker Street and this is why and these are all our challenges like I really charted the journey every day every week of what we were trying to do I went it was it was a QSR change but I was very clear that we're not just a chain this comes from humans who do what they do because they love what they do I went really deep into the process because I believe as well that people buy your process just as much as the product um I had fun like it was quite an edgy brand so I don't believe in controversy for the sake of it but we had like KFC a few doors down so I'd pick on them a little bit um things like that sharing stupid sort of memes and gifs and also just sharing as I said I was running it as like my account so I just shared I knew that people people love food so I just talked about food generally we went out to a good restaurant or we're just trying a new product I just share it and people would really would really would really go for it so that's that's the sort of easy that's I'd say, and that it just became a story that people wanted to pick up and could get behind because they could see we were the good guys, they could see we were trying, and they could also see because we were talking about this process so much that we we had an offer. It wasn't just fried chicken; it was much more than that, and it was a story that people could get behind. And look, of course, there was a hell of a lot of hustle behind that as well. You know, like um, I was banging open, banging into, bang, sorry, kicking the doors open into any local office, just saying, "Can we try? Please try our food." Here is, what do you think about it? Really trying to build a lot of those local connections because I think a lot of people overlook the importance of local marketing and those human connections because those are going to be your biggest brand champions and brand lovers. Um, yeah, and, you know, I mean, the usual running Facebook ads and all that, all that other kind of marketing stuff as well. So to one extent, we threw the kitchen sink at it. But on the other hand, I'd say it was just having a very unconventional story, a real honest human story. And it was because I was so naive, and fresh I didn't quite realize what I'd achieved but it was I just remember running up the stairs to Baker Street at six in the morning as it was opening thinking maybe at best there might be a few people here you know full of anxiety like if I failed everyone is everyone's everyone's looking at me and there was a line of people snaking around the block people had camped overnight for it and again it was it was just afterwards that when we started talking to people more that they just said we'd never seen a campaign like that you know, for a QSR, just to talk about all this stuff, this kind of unconventional stuff, it just stood out. So it's that counterintuitive thing where it feels really uncomfortable, but actually, if you want to get results quickly, don't be like everyone else. Yeah, and it is about that. Find out how you really stand out. Just don't say, as you say, say con things that's controversy for the sake of it, but actually they, they really resonate with the, the brand and why it's doing what it's doing. I, I really like that. So so again, in principle, what, what happened there, I guess, is what you do now as well. You found out you can actually build raving fans from, from day one uh, with a brand in the up to the opening of uh, uh, restaurants. And But how do we actually build, you know, a brand with raving fans? Because you, we all want these fans, you know, that, 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 that saves us no matter what. In bad, bad times, they're there to keep the business going. And in it's good time, they tell all their friends about the, like, the, the free marketing tool that every marketing director dreams of, you know. So we have to spend a little less on paid marketing and advertising and so on. So, so how do we actually build, you know, a brand with raving fans is my question. Sure. Um, and this again, so this is from my perspective 
of doing it. You know, so this is just this is just one approach. Um, but I would say the absolute fundamental, regardless of who you are, is you have to do the work. You have to do build a framework of your brand um, before you start looking at the activities you do. And this is when I started. This is how I built my cult brand system. Um, was because we kept rushing into the marketing and it was just without doing any of the pre-work. And what it meant was it was a so inefficient because we kept having to do all these approvals and constantly getting the time of the founders to do it. Whereas we would just would have taken the work to, to the time to do the work beforehand, it would have flowed so much faster. And also the story just wasn't as good because you got to take the time to do the work to get everything out your head about why you're doing, why it's important, relating it to your audience. So when I, when I look, I mean, how do you, if you look at any successful brand that has passionate fans, number one thing is they tend to offer something unique, a unique product that you can't get anywhere else. The second thing is offering an incredible experience, you know, making that experience as great as possible. So those, those are fundamentals and that, but it's so much easier to do that when you have a framework for why you're doing it and how you communicate those things as well. So they said that the first place really is to start with the framework of, of your brand, which is really like who you are, why it's important, who your audience is, and why should they care about you and come to you over anyone else, and then the framework to communicate that. Um, and then the second part really is just building in your purpose and being a human brand from day one, because it never gets any easier. And re again, for me, what being a great brand is, is just getting more love from your customers. So especially like say, if you're starting off, I remember it's, it's someone asked this question to some of the top CMOs in the world of like, what do you invest? How much do you invest in branding and how much in marketing? And they were generally pretty much 50, 50. And I know, especially in the beginning, there's a massive pressure to get sales in. So sometimes those ratios can fluctuate, but there has to be a baseline of 20, 30% of your activities around brand, which again is how do I get more love from your customers? And re again, so it's just, it's telling that real, honest human story. And it's not just saying we're perfect. Generally people just, it's just buy my shit. That is the state of most food marketing. It's a brochure. It's not what people go to, um, why people go to social media. So you want to move up and that's what everyone else does is just the product team and interiors essentially come to my restaurant, buy my shit. Whereas instead to really turn people into raving fans, you've got to talk about everything surrounding your brand and why you do what you do. So share that journey. You know, share where you're trying to get to and just say that we're we're just humans trying to make good in the world, we're trying to get to that higher purpose. Maybe it's going to happen, maybe it won't. Um, and it also creates a lot more drama and people can really get behind you when you're sharing this more dramatic, emotional journey. Um, stand up for your audience, stand up for the, the shared beliefs that you have with them. Be willing to say no to things in principle, on in public. You know, that's to be an authentic brand. Um, and the other thing really is just know you've got to obsess about who your audience are and know what they're into and show that you're the leader for them, that you talk about the things that are important to them as well, which can be directly related to your business or indirectly related to your business as well. Um, and then just a final part to that is really, is doing things for your community. So for me, brand storytelling is a lot about communicating, but if you just talk, it's greenwashing you know like we can all talk a big game we can all talk about sustainability and this again is that building a purpose in from day one what are you doing every day to demonstrate those things you talk about and again because people will pick up on that and they will see that you're trying 
to be good and make good in the world. And uh, it's just, yeah, and these are, it's just these small human things you do for your community that compound over time. As counterintuitive it feels because you think, oh, we've got to do loads of ads. We've got to reach so many people, but actually it's customers one by one, increasing that emotional, just increasing that emotional engagement that you have with them. So yeah, so, so it's doing, so as part of that is what are the things that you can do as well, not just say, to get more to turn those customers into raving fans, whether it's doing just events or rewarding um, rewarding your your real your most loyal brand lovers, or just you know how do we surprise and delight people with every touch point that we do, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I love I love that thing where uh, you you duck tailor with that thing that you actually you know that thing about giving. It doesn't matter you know how big you can do it; you can do it in small scale, but you are really authentic about and you are in that front line and delivering you're not maybe i'm maybe a bit cynical about planting trees as your only strategy for you know doing good for the world because i there's so many other things you could do where you can change a young person's life or you could feed people especially in hospitality the the ability to feed people and you know especially in the times to go into now and not just do it for the publicity but actually doing because you really care about that or you have a connection to that and you can tell that story um and i, I met a, a, a operator that really cares about what old people eat, get a food at home and because he was really upset about that because he had a family member he really got into the local community of improving that and now created a better catering company which the council now buys from instead it's an incredible story but that started with one meal and then he started delivering food to five people in that area and then it just expanded you know and suddenly the council could see oh that that food is much better it's uh, than what we get there um so yeah that's so interesting when you really really set yourself to do something you can really make change and that some of the you know not just feeling good about it but also really good business in the end a hundred percent um and it doesn't have to be big it doesn't have to be these huge we're going to be zero waste by tomorrow by you know by next year it can just be small things and really small things just for your for your team for your for your local community and it can just be things it could just be having you know just give inspiring people a bit just having a bit of fun as well because so much of the communication is just boring you know get what can you do online on your instagram to get people interacting with you more and getting to feedback more on your journey or just you know if they're on your booking form could you just make someone smile a little bit and, and laugh you know it could just be small things like that just small things like that or just educating a bit about you know if you're an italian restaurant just giving people something they didn't know before about so it's, you know an ingredient or a vegetable so they just still walk away with even just a little bit more is still way more than what most people do. What about um, one of the things I was, you were talking about before that a lot of hospitality business or restaurants when they launch, it's all about the product. There's a bit about the team. There's maybe some a bit about the suppliers, the 10%, you call it. They only talk about the 10%. And I think that's, that's about that ability to tell the story. I call it scale the story because that has actually bigger impact in you than your ability to open lots of sites actually the ability to scale the story is what i have learned myself and what i hear you know some very savvy investors they ask this question so well, what what how are you gonna scale the story and then you probably start as i did the first time i had that question yeah i'm gonna tell you now we're gonna hire these people we're gonna use this hm we're gonna find so many sites and we sales is going to be, no, no, no. How are you going to tell the, the seed of the story to actually make this happen, the magic? How are you going to tell 
the real stories of you, you as the founder or you as the business owners or why you are so different and how you're going to scale that on a huge level when you open floors, more sites and how you're actually going to reach people that maybe never going to buy for you, but still think you're great, like Patagonia. Many people have never ever bought anything from Patagonia, the clothing company, but really knows what it is and supports its purpose. In terms of scaling your story, I mean, one interesting thing, and I hear this come up with founders quite a lot, um, is as they get bigger, so quite often when they start small, it will be quite a human story. And it's, you know, like this is just me in my kitchen on Instagram with my new startup. And um, I heard, I think it was the guy from Solo Coffee recently just said, the issue was as they got bigger, they felt this pressure to suddenly do the corporate voice and do, as I said, suddenly we can't talk about all that stuff because because we're a business, we've got investors. And just looking and then all you're doing is looking around at what the other bigger guys are doing around you who aren't necessarily doing doing the right thing. And so that it, it's this counterintuitive thing where you think the bigger you get, the less you have, the less you can tell an honest story, and you just have to keep it very like again, why my shit. Um, whereas then you're forgetting about the original reason that um, why people got involved, why people love you in the first place, and actually if you keep doing it, that's how you're going to stand out. Um, and I, yeah, so I mean, I've got my, I've got my own, I call it my minimum viable story framework. So I have a few things that I check off to make sure that you are telling this well-rounded story and um as you say to scale look you can't if you're a founder and you've just scaling you can't be there every day being involved very directly in the whole communication process but that's why again it's so important to do the work up front and get everything out the head of anyone whose story is relevant whether it's the head chef whether it's the founders and getting that all out and then it depends look this isn't easy doing this brand story stuff it's hard it's uncomfortable it means saying no to other things and it depends how important it is for you um because how much the more you are willing to put into it the more because what's quite often especially so often in marketing and hospitality is it's very often operator led so it was started by an operator who doesn't really have much brand and marketing experience they'll hire a marketing person and just pretty much say like get on with it like no training um so it's very hard for them. And they're just looking around at what everyone else is doing as well. And so again, so it's not, again, just having a framework that makes it much easier for anyone else to pick up and play. But you need to be there involved. I always like to recommend every three months, you just you just do, do a story brain dump. Like, where are we? How are our customers changing? How's our market changing? What cool things? And then just, it's all those little details. Like, did you listen to any good podcasts? Were you trying anything in the kitchen? Were you did you read a good book and just having that as a bit of a process so yeah if you do the work up front and you have the framework you should be good to go but the more as a founder or the other key stakeholders are willing to be involved in that process the more powerful the story will be and the more human it's going to look so it's just how much of a priority that is for you yeah and i think it's very interesting what you said there with the founders as well do you think sometimes that the founders really don't get enough in front of the business uh, from the early days. Some people maybe hide a bit behind. I know there's some some founders there straight on Instagram. You know, Nisha from uh, Mowgli is a great example that she's very much in front of the business from day one. And the power of that today as they have scaled the business is like, you know, she scaled the story at the same time. Yeah, and look, it's not fair and it's not right because most 
hospitality people started their business because they just want to make great food and hopefully make the world a better place. And then suddenly it's like, oh my God, what, we've got to do all this Instagram stuff. You know, I'm like, I didn't make those rules. I w in some ways I wish it wasn't like that because I know how much extra stress it puts, but that, that is what it is. And um, again, I, I sometimes ask people like, how bad do you want it? Like, do you really want to grow faster than the rest? Do you really want to stand out? Because people need to see the people that are behind it. And that's sometimes, you know, it, it, it's funny because to, to launch a food business means you have to do so many hard, uncomfortable things. And then when it comes to sharing the story or let's say putting your face out there or making videos, suddenly people start freezing up and it's just so hard and uncomfortable. It's, I, I mean, I hear this again and again, and it's just a, obviously a human thing. It was hard for me in the beginning. I had to get forced my way through it. But it's just, it's ultimately, it's just another hard, uncomfortable thing that once you cross will, will make your life better and, and make your business grow faster. So it's just, yeah, I, I, I come up against this block a lot and I'm not saying like it's easy, but I've also seen the results of the people that are willing to embrace getting behind it and putting themselves out there more. What about the uh, the the operators that is very clear about you know like their their vision, their purpose, their mission, their values? Does that help them as they are building? You know, because everybody wants to have a cult brand. If you if you look into what that means, because that's very good business. But these people that really succeed with it, you know, we can take uh, Ben and Jerry's. You know, you would have. Honest Burgers here in the UK, uh, I think they're very clear about, you know, where they're going to maybe wasn't from day one, but they definitely evolved and articulated that vision, purpose and so on as they moved on. Do you do you agree with that? And that's like one of the secret thing, but also one of the weekly very big task and hard work to to evolve. Yeah. And I mean, this is always a point where people start rolling their eyes and saying, oh, it's the brand guy talking about charging me lots of money for my purpose, vision, mission and values. And we paid a brand agency and nothing happened. But I think that Honest and Ben and Jerry's are great examples. And actually, I did a market research for a client a, a while back and just said, which brands do you admire and why? And exactly those two came up. Ben and Jerry's because they're unapologetic about what they believe in. Honest because they live to their name and they're honest and they could see over the pandemic that they were doing good things. Um, and I've heard the, the founders of Honest talk and say, honest is our is our mantra. We are honest about everything that we do. Um, and they could see this is the crucial thing that Honest are one of the good guys. We trust them. You know, that is, you don't get a cult brand. You don't get loyalty until people trust you, until they can see who you are. And so, yes, I think it's very important. It's actually the number one foundational step of my cult brand system. I call it brand substance, which is your purpose, mission, vision and values. But the difference between just being something you spend a fortune on a brand agency that lives in a PDF gathering virtual dust versus being a living, breathing document is, and when I work with people, is that what are you going to do to make this real? Your purpose, your why that's bigger than money. Okay. What are you doing every day for that? Your, your vision, where do you want to get to? Which can be a whole mix of things. Like what are you doing to reach that vision? Your, your mission, which is for me, your manifesto, you know, it's how you do things. Well, okay, you're saying you want to source local wherever possible. You want to treat every customer like a friend, but are you? Are you really? And your values as well, like your values are how you want to be perceived by your customers in the wider world. You know, we want to be innovative. We want to be friendly. We want to be warm, authentic. But again, how are you demonstrating those things? And that's the difference between words and an authentic brand. So if you do them, then you're an authentic brand. Because again, for me, being an authentic brand is simply 
just having a why that's bigger than money, but actually doing the things to make that real in the world. Um, and and once and that's everything flows from that. That is your guide for all your business decisions, not just branding and marketing. Um, as well, having that vision, and it is should be part of the guide to your um, for your business decisions because this is where we're trying to get to. And again, you can communicate it. And so yeah, so I think it's very important to do the work on that. And then afterwards as well, like whenever you're communicating, of course you can talk about, well, this is our purpose, this is our vision. You can't repeat the same sentence every day, but what you can do is when you talk about stuff is say, well, because our purpose is this, because our purpose is to um, educate the world about Italian food, that's why we're gonna talk about it. That's why we're launching a book. Because our mission is to, one of our, our mission, part of our manifesto is to only source locally. We're gonna make our lives really hard and try and, and spend more money to try and to try and work within that because our value is innovation. That's why we're going to do some crazy stuff on Instagram, or we're just going to mess around and do a special that's just a bit crazy that we don't know where it's going. So every time you're relating it back to your purpose, mission, vision, and values, and that's what helps you stand out and and makes customers see that there is a higher purpose that you do that only you can do that helps you stand out. It's very interesting when you talk about manifestos and the values because I'm in another business. I'm, I'm we are we are part part ways through that journey, and it's it's really hard because exactly the here we that that, that business we two founders, and we're discussing the manifesto and and it's like you know we you find out how different you see small things and it's that those small things and actually aligning on that and calibrating and how, what you're going to do then as you put that manifesto out, because suddenly you put out a promise. And if you don't live after that promise, that's going to be hard, you know. And I, I think some of the best businesses in the world, I think almost one of the first thing you will find on a website is their manifesto. Um, and they will live up to that, taking Ben and Jerry's again or Honest Burger. Be, be very clear about what they're not about and, uh, and, and much about what are we. And it's hard, especially, and it's, you know, and it's hard. It, it will cost more money. It will take more time. And especially, this is especially with hospitality, when life gets in the way and things are busy and maybe, you know, with all the challenges that are coming up, it's very easy to drop it. And that's the difference, again, between an authentic brand and not is we're still, you know, that we do this first and then we fit, we work around that, not the other way. Not We don't just force this, this purpose and substance into all the other stuff. Otherwise, it's just not, it's not going to work. What is uh, what has been like your most significant learning when it comes to building cult brands over the last two years? Because it has been a been a rough and shaky ride, and you just said there's there's probably more coming around the corner, which makes it even harder. But what is like your your biggest learning with this? And are you seeing more taking this up? Would be another question. So I'd say, well, I got two. One very quick one, which again, just to bang the drum, is just do the work do um do the work on your brand get that framework who you are who your customers are why they should care about you you could just do it in a day or a couple of days you don't have to pay someone like me to do it um and it's just it will make things so much more efficient it will make your story so much better it will make you so much prouder of your brand and excited to share that so that's that's just a small one um and then just something i mean something that i learned a lot uh working with some of the, I, I'd say I tend to work with restaurant chains that don't want to lose their independent spirit, that don't that don't want to be seen as chains. And so when I work with Flatiron, uh, who are an incredible brand, um, and I, what I learned from them, and I've seen this, I did a very small project for Dishoom years ago, another incredible brand, 
same thing, I'm doing a project with OE Vegan at the moment. Same thing again. I just see this consistently come up again and again for the brands that do have that line around the block, you know, even when it's raining, that which every restaurant wants. And it's quite a boring answer, but they are obsessed with their detail, with details and their experience. Now, of course, you think what well, hospitality people are, but it is noticeable there that every single aspect is looked into and like, how can we make this the best that it can be? And we never stop evolving it from the team, from the culture, to maybe three things that they give away to the interiors. It's going the extra mile every time. And again, talking about having principles, it's just, that's just the way you do things. You know, no matter what it costs, we will obsess over giving you the best possible experience. So not the sexiest answer, but that's the common thread that I keep seeing. And having had a chance to look under the hood of how some of these incredible businesses work, that's what I see keep coming up again and again. Yeah, that's super interesting. It's about that whole you know, they're manif part of the manifesto where they commit to excellence in principle and mastery within whatever they do and, and, and their products. And that, that comes through in, in, in everything they do. What about you? you we, we already touched a bit about the future looks a bit murky. What is your prediction for, for hospitality and how are you seeing things right now for you, your side of the table, especially when it comes to, you know, are we going to see more cult-driven brands coming, rising here because there's opportunity in, in difficult times as well? Yeah. So I don't want to be, look, I, I'm a positive guy. I don't, we've all been through a lot. I don't want to be a, a doom, a doomsayer. You know, the things are going to be challenging. We know why we don't need to go into details on that. I would say, again, I'm biased, but it has never been more important to give customers a reason to choose you and also to get that emotional connection because they're going to be eating out less. They're going to have less money. People are always spend money on food, whether it's a QSR, whether it's a mission and start, you know, people are always going to have special occasions, but they're really going to think about their choices. Um, so you need to be obsessed about throwing the emotional kitchen sink at them to get that loyalty. Um, and in terms of the actual, I'm seeing it more with, it, it, I love hospitality, but it's always tends to be the last to catch up. So I am seeing more with other brands, whether it's fashion or FMCG um, are doing much more, a, a much better job and getting this fact that they have to tell a more human story, not just talk about bang on about their product all the time. I, I just hope that hospitality can catch up with that because the problem, as we, I think we discussed, is that hospitality tends to be very insular, whereas really they should be looking at the people that are smashing it, you know. Um, and I think as well, like when I look generally in the world of, let's just say, retail in general and where it's going, I, and this is what gets me interested, and I think if you see yourself, stop seeing yourself as a restaurant um, and see yourself more, I hope this doesn't sound sort of too cheesy, but as a... Um, it's like providing food-based solutions to people that love you and combine making money with making more impact. So what I mean by that is if you look at the restaurant and this other retail, other retail businesses are doing this more, it's almost like your flagship shop front. What are the other ways that we can then A, make money and B, be in our customers' lives more, which becomes a win-win thing. So that's, you know, whether it's meal kits or launching at home products like sources, doing more events or, you know, NFTs, not saying you should do that, but whatever it is, um, I think that's, if you want to really future-proof yourself, is to sort of just to see how else can we protect ourselves and make money. And the thing, it all comes back to story because the more you have an engaged community that love you, the more they're willing to buy from you because like Ben and Jerry's, because like Honest, because they trust you and they know that you're the good guys. And because you share your process, they know you're going to put your heart and soul into this. So they're going to be way more willing 
to buy whatever you have to sell just as, as much for the product, but, but as much to be part of the gang, if that makes sense. So I think that's an interesting direction. We're seeing like, I'm seeing, you are starting to see with hospitality businesses, especially with all the sort of pivots and over, uh, over lockdown where they're realizing actually, you know, selling food in, in our restaurant is just but one way to make money. And we're actually quite experienced and good at running businesses. And I hope that inspires people that there, there are, that you can use this to, to make more, to, 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 to protect yourself more and, and find new revenue. And it's very interesting, Dan, you talk about the future as well. And you said also about, you know, get your inspiration from outside hospitality. If you should mention like your top favorite uh, brands, top three favorite cult brand outside hospitality, what would, uh, what would they be then if people had to go and look at something else? Okay. I, uh, <laughs> I've got two that immediately jump out and let's see the third one comes. So my favorite of all brands, the brand that ticks every cult brand box is called Omsom and they are American based Asian meal kits. They've only been running for about two years. They've sold half a million kits. They were in fast companies, most innovative brands of 2022. And why I love them so much is they embrace sort of all, it's like if I had a brand, it's what it's, it's how I'd be doing it. So they, I mean, their brand motto is loud and proud. Again, not for everyone, but so they're very sort of forthright and outspoken, but they obsess over their brand lovers, which is so important. Like they know who their brand lovers are, which have, which are Asian Americans. And they talk about the things that are important to them. So they'll talk about racism, why, why MSG isn't bad for you. Uh, just all the negative stereotypes around that. And when they do, you know, they're getting hundreds of comments on Instagram, you know, so much more than other, than other hospitality brands that I see. They, another thing that I really believe in is that they give a lot of value and share their passions outside of just buy my product. So they'll talk about uh, like midnight munchies, stuff you can make from the freezer, uh, little hacks and tips because they know that their customers love food. Uh, they do, again, they do things for their community. They, they, they launch merch, uh, merchandise, things like rice paddles, or they did a limited edition Mai Tai boxing shorts. And I'm sure it makes some revenue, but it's just as much about just having fun and collaborating with people. And I think just something that's really, really interesting is they, they share their process and they share their journey. And I know that's so counterintuitive to people. It's like, but we're a brand, we should, we can't, we're not gonna you know, show our diagrams of how we do things, but they, they talked about how they built their brand um, and how they got this loud and proud brand. And again, it had hundreds of comments because people were so into the journey, they wanted to know. And again, it's just, we're just humans. This is what we're trying to do. These are the challenges. And this is all the stuff that's happening underneath the food that you eat. And if you share enough and are open enough, people are really going to care. So, um, yeah, so I, I, on some, which I would recommend anyone to check out and really take a bit of time looking through how they approach uh, their posts and their newsletter and how they communicate. Another brand, I love Hyatt Jeans, if you're familiar with them. Uh, they are based in Wales. They yeah, have an, they, really yeah, brilliant story again about how they wanted to re-energize this, um, this town in, in Wales that industry had left that, that made a lot of, that used to be the gene making capital of, of the UK. And so they, they started with their purpose. Um, but they, again, they, they just do a lot of interesting things to share their values. They do, they, they'll do events. They do a thing where they have like an open zoom call. So any of their customers can just jump in and chat with them about whatever on zoom. They're always doing talks. Um, speakers, they're running events because they always their whole thing is try and do one thing very well, trying to be better at it every day. So they take that value and they try and share that in as many ways as possible with their community. Um, 
So I thought that was interesting. Um, and then, I'm just trying, I, let me just say one that just caught my attention, I know this comes up a bit recently, was Liquid Death Water, um, who I don't necessarily like, they're not my kind of brand 100%, but they said an interesting thing because you think like water, who can, you know, you constantly see new water brands come and sort of desperately trying to find an angle. And their angle was, how can we make a water that a rock star would love to drink? And I just thought that was really clever. So they did. They just made this very bold, exciting, outspoken re- rebel. And again, they, they knew their audience and like who would, who would uh, be receptive to that. And they've taken a simple product like water. And then it just shows just creating, creating a community around a shared outlook and values. Um, I just remember a stat, reading a stat that 90% of people who did leave a brand left a brand because the other brands shared their outlook and values more. You know, so it can, you can apply that to any products. Um, it's, you know, it's just more than the product. So, yeah, those are three that stand out for me. That's really interesting. As you mentioned them, I was thinking, because I know Hygiene's the two others I will definitely look into, and I studied Hygiene's a lot. They're so clear about who their customers are, and they really, you know, they, they, they care about them and only them. And therefore, they're not discounting others, but they know exactly these who these customers are. They're talking to them. And you can see in social media, well, I noticed um, I sent my jeans for repair. And then I've noticed there was like an Instagram thing where you can follow the repair process over the, the week. And then suddenly you see a picture of your jeans. You know, you feel really, oh, wow, it's my jeans. They took a picture of my jeans, you know. And it's so it's so simple, but so clever. And it's run by that employee that does the repair. And I think that's a, that's so clever. And it's such a small thing. But again, imagine if you could show how your product starts as flower to come out to that product and, and follow that employee or whatever it is you, you can do. That thing is so clever. Don. How do you keep on innovating and learning new things? Because you need to build that counterintuitive into when you work with your clients. How do you actually sharpen your skills to to mastery in building cult brand because that's an ever evolving thing I could imagine. Sure. Well, the number one thing is, so I mean, I actually, I have ADHD and I, for me being organized and having a system is so important. And I'd say as much, and if I can do it, I know that anyone else, cause it was a torturous process because it's in hospitality as well. I see there's this, this, Look, hospitality can be tough and it can be chaotic, but it's a story that a lot of people tell themselves is that I work in hospitality, it's all chaos. I can never organize myself. I would challenge that to an extent. Of course, especially at the moment, there are times, well, another way to put it, but when you're in the ship, there's no other way to put it. But I would strongly, yeah. So building a system and making time, fixing in time for the things that need to happen. And as part of that, so delegating again, wherever I can, because again, for hospitality people, like if you want to make this impact and have the business of your dreams, you can't do it single-handedly, even though you have a team, you've got to see where you can delegate. So just learning where I can delegate as well. And again, that just comes up to making, freeing up my time to educate myself. So I'm, you can drown yourself in courses and books. And I was guilty of that in the beginning. I think a lot of other people do. Um, but there has to be, a, you have to fix in a level of time to make self-improvement. And what I found is that when you fix in time, because time expands to fill, you know, if you want to work seven days a week, you'll work seven days a week. If you start that same list and say, I'm going to do it in four days a week, you'll get it done in four days. Um, and again, like with, with founders that I've worked with as well, I, the ones that I really connect with, the ones who I see who are smashing it, are they, 
again, without fail, have all tried to educate themselves on brand as well, whether it's talking to people like me, doing podcasts, like listening to podcasts or reading books or going to talks. So for me, they're the most pleasurable to work with, but also they're the ones who are doing really well. And again, it's not a coincidence. So yeah, finding the time to delegation, through having a system to, to, to educate yourself have certainly been key things for me. And um, actually maybe one other thing that I've learned the hard way recently as well, and I'd say it applies as much to me as to um, anyone with a business is just taking the time to measure everything and like what are the key indicators for what you're doing and just to see if it's working or not and then just review it and just keep iterating and testing. Um, again, as an ADHD person, that, that was a hard journey for me to learn, but I kept looking back and thinking, well, what worked? And then I just realized I don't know because I've just thrown everything against the wall. And I think again, in hospitality, a lot of us are guilty, which we get, we feel the pressure, you're desperate to get customers through the door. So you throw everything against the wall. I say even that first restaurant launch I did, which I would describe the method as throwing everything against the wall. But then we had to do another launch and another launch. And then I was, oh, actually, I haven't taken that many, like, I haven't built enough of a system around that. So that's been really key for me as well. And I strongly recommend as well. It, it doesn't have to be fixing that time every week. Let's just review. Let's review the stats. Let's review the, the customer reviews. What can we do better? Um, what are we going to test this week? Etc. Great, great, Dan. Uh, last question before we, we wrap up. Uh, is, there, is there one question you wish I'd ask you? And if there is, what would that question be and what would you answer? Oh, yeah, you've, you've talked about a lot of my favorite subjects. Um, I guess one on the other hand is you can say, well, if you're going to social media to entertain people, um, why, don't you just, why don't you just drown your feed in memes and gifts like some of the fast food chains do? Um, it's just because this is just something that I've, I've noticed recently. And I think it's a good contrast to help people understand the importance of telling a story is again, the brands I kind of, that I tend to work with that even if you're a chain, but you have a higher purpose and you want to create this incredible product and experience is when I look at the, all the standard fast food uh, chains. Now they, they're very good at what they do. There's only so much you can talk about a Big Mac say, and it's, you know, the people that love it and that's fine. Um, but the, what they do is they drown people in memes and gifts and all this entertainment stuff, which is, which is clever because what else are they going to talk about? And they do very well at that. But the problem is, is actually for most hospitality brands, their customers come to them for precisely the opposite reason. Um, they come because they want to come to someone that stands for something. They want to hear about the story. They want to hear about a process and how much people care about the things that they're putting into your body. And so what I find is that it's, let's say on, the, on one end of the scale, you have the fast food brands. On the other end of the scale, you have the tiny handful of brands that are doing this great human story, but everyone else is in the middle. And this is it's so neutral. And actually what you're doing is you're hiding your biggest asset, which is that you care and you have this great product and you're letting the people that don't have a good product win just by doing pretty shallow stuff. So, you know, don't hide your biggest asset. Yeah, I think that, that was a really, really good question. A very good advice as well, because I think also it's uh, not because people don't want to, do but also they, they they feel awkward and maybe that's not what they feel comfortable and therefore they go and find the help to feel comfortable because it really accelerate their business because often people don't know what they don't know so and it's your job as the founder to get in front of that business again coming back to what we talked about earlier thank you so much dan for, for coming on the show and talking about how we build a cult brand and scale the story is absolutely incredible 
to hear your experience and what you're looking at as as you are helping great businesses developing their their brand so uh, where can people find you um if they want to check out some of the work you've been doing or connect with you where are the best places sure so i'm mainly active on linkedin that's because i've fallen slightly out of love with instagram so you can find me dan nash on instagram i've also got my cult brand mail which is um i share every two weeks just tricks and tips to inspire you to have how to get more love from your customers you can find me there at, um, you can sign up at brandstories.club um, and just a final thing is I, I i offer a few free cult brand workshops every month for founders just to help give you a bit of clarity on where you are and where you'd love to be so um hit me up if that sounds interesting yeah otherwise that was great really enjoyed it thank you so much again so um, we will uh, put all the uh, the lovely company names you mentioned and uh, in, in the, during the interview in the show notes. So you everybody will be didn't get it as you were listening in. That will be in the show notes for for the different company hired jeans and and so on. So thank you again, Dan. Great stuff, Dan. Really some great practical advice on how to build a cult brand. What can you do now to build a brand? that people raves about. If you want to learn more about how building brands that stands out and makes better impact, tune in to episode number 20, Your Brand as a Promise, with Cliff Edwards, partner at the team. A big thank you to Biz Simply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help leaders become better every day. Check them out at bizsimply.com or via their social at bizsimply or bizsimplyhq. You can also email them directly at advice at bizsimply.com. A big thank you to Fina Charlson, who is the show producer and editor from the Podcast Collective. I really appreciate that you are listening in. So if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share, rate, review, or subscribe to one of the channels, which all can be done via the website, hospitalitymavericks.com. If you have any ideas or feedback for the show or thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or via my email, michael at hospitalitymavericks.com. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us, subscribe to the newsletter via hospitalitymavericks.com. I'm Michael Tinkser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick podcast show. Be maverick.